Turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and we'll get started. Um, the, uh, get Ephesians chapter 2 and uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, so we can get started on, uh, on that. The second session, she's still not got the door open another way yet. <clears throat> the second session, um, this is like the last one was back to the basics. This session is to do, we must be, right? So the idea of that is what we've done the past three or four weeks is we've looked at who we were before we got saved. Uh, we took a look at Paul and how he acted and how he was. And uh, to know a little bit about that, we looked at it in Titus chapter 3 about how we were the exact same way that unsaved people are around us. So we need to make sure that we, we learn some stuff and, and deal with them the same way that we would like to have been dealt with. Uh, but then, not just that, but moving forward to how do we live our life based on who we are now, right? And so what we said is we must know who we be before we can go be who we are, right? Uh, and that's the idea. So really what it's looking at is kind of our walk, right? So notice here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity that we have to meet together. Uh, we're grateful for the ability to, uh, to do that uh, freely uh, in this country, that we're able to uh, meet together and talk about the Scriptures, come to a greater knowledge and appreciation of your Word, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope, and we allow your word to work in and through us to produce the life that you've designed it to produce, um, that we might be to the praise and honor and glory of your grace, and it's in Christ's name that we pray, amen. Now, what we've seen here in Ephesians chapter 2, he's taking us back saying, here's what you used to be, right? When he says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, that's who we were. We walked according to the course of this world, right? We've talked about this before. The course there is it's it's almost like it's almost like a teaching course, right? There's a you go to you go to high school or college or anywhere, and you've got courses that you go through and you're learning how to live as an unregenerate, dead in your sins person your entire life. But then what happens in verse 4, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, 
even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace you are saved. There is a time in our life where we heard the gospel and we chose to accept that gospel and say, we believe that Christ died for my sins. I can't do anything to get myself out of it, to get myself out of hell, but we've trusted that gospel. So then what happens is we're now quickened. And that's who he's talking to here. He says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's who we were, but now we're quickened. We're made alive. Um, we were raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Go back over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now this is, this is kind of the, the, the idea of what we've been dealing with. Uh, we've already looked at our past we looked at how Paul talked about what his past was and how he counted all those things that were past as what? Dung. He says, I counted all but, all but loss for Christ. What I, what I was before means nothing to me now. And I'm going to start living a particular way. And we, we'll see that as we go through. Notice here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, um, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Verse 10, and we looked at this before, and this is kind of the um, key verse, if you will. <clears throat> Notice in verse 10, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. All right. So what's the key issue there? He says, the grace of God, by the grace of God, I am what I am. So he's saying, here's who I used to be, but here's who I am now. And the only reason I am who I am now is because of the grace of God. Right? And we know that. We revel in that. We, we love the fact that that's a thing that God has set forth. That He says, I want to take who you were by grace. I want to make you who you are. But not just that. Notice. And His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. It's not an empty thing just to say, well, here's my grace. I'm saved by grace. You know, that, it's, it's not just that. Notice he continues on. He says, it wasn't bestowed on me in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I. So I want you to notice this. He says, I am what I am because of grace, but also because of that grace, what did I do? I labored more abundantly than they all. Now he's talking in the context, he's talking about the apostles, right? Because he's talking about the resurrection Christ where he saw the resurrected Christ. And you've got Peter and James and John and the, 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 the 500 brethren, and the 12, all that. And he says, and then last of all, he was seen of me. He says, I labored more than those guys, but not me. Notice he says, yet not I, but how? It was the grace of God that worked in him. Notice that's what we've got here. But the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it, be, it, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so you believe. So what's he saying? I used to be Pharisee of the Pharisees, right? Hebrew of the Hebrews. I persecuted the church, all this. He says, that's how I used to be but I am what I am now because of the grace of God, and by that grace, that's the thing that motivates me to go and do what? To go do. Now, notice, <clears throat> real quick, let's go over to 
Uh, let's go get a couple verses over here in Timothy. It's <clears throat> a good question, isn't it? Get uh, get Second Timothy chapter ten, or my bad, chapter ten, chapter three, verse ten. See, that's when everybody should have said there's not ten chapters in. For... So Second Timothy chapter three, verse ten. <clears throat> And I want us to I want us to think about I want us to be able to think about what we what we've got going on here. All right. Notice. Paul is talking to Timothy, and in verse 10 he says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine. Notice that next one. It's what? My manner of life. That's this here. Alright? That's his manner of life. You saw the things that I did. You know my manner of life. And we can go through and take a look at that, but we won't for right now. And then it goes on what? Purpose and faith and long-suffering, uh, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, all the stuff that came unto me. But I want us to look at his manner of life. Um, real quick, go to Second Thessalonians. <clears throat> Second Thessalonians chapter three. Second Thessalonians chapter three. Um, let's start off here in verse. Uh, let's start off in verse one. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Now, that idea of establish, that's the same thing that he's talking about. It's the same one that he's dealing with in chapter 2 about standing fast and, and, and holding on to those things. Now, verse four, uh, 17, he says, Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. That's this stuff, right? But notice... Keep on going. <clears throat> um, establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you that you both, what? Do and will do the things which we, have command, which we command you. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient uh, waiting for Christ. Now, we command you, brethren, in the name of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition, for ye have received of us. Notice, here's what I want to get to. So he's talking about those things that, that I want you to go do things and you will do. Now, the will do isn't just I'm going to go do them, but it's you purpose in your heart to go do it. That's you saying, I'm going to take my will and give of myself for other people and I'm going to go do. We talked about that last time, right? The purpose of, of, of the assembly is to help each other out. To edify one another. That's the issue. And that's what he's dealing with there. Um, notice in verse 7. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us. For we... What's that next word? Behave. Behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. What's he saying? You all know, along with Timothy... 
my manner of life, the way in which I conducted my life. Notice, neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you, not because we have not power, but to make, a, to make ourselves an ensample unto you to follow us. What's he saying? I'm out here doing. Why? Because of the grace, right? Not me doing it. The grace has me labor more abundantly than y'all. I'm doing. Why? So that I can be an ensample to you all. So that you know, and we'll look at the verse here in a second, that you can also do the same thing. Notice. Um, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that in any that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now, isn't that what we talked about the last session of you don't just kick people out, say, well, I'm done with you. You admonish them as a brother. Um... And you don't, the best way to do that is face-to-face. Not through emails or text message. Because, you know, I was thinking this morning, when Brittany messaged me this morning, and I'm responding back and forth with her, she has no idea my manner, how I'm coming across. She could say, well, he's coming off as a jerk or something, and I'm not meaning it that way, right? Because we can, we can, we can put ourselves in somebody's message and say, well, they're just being mean. Or, and you know, face-to-face, that's the issue. And that's why it's important for that local assembly. But here's the thing. Go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, Paul talked about the folks in Thessalonica. You all know how I, how I behaved myself, right? I didn't behave myself disorderly. Notice, and it's, and it's not just him, but it was Paul, Silvanus, and Timotheus. He says us, right? So notice here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10. Well, let's start off in verse 9. He says, For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable to any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Is everybody else there? Okay. All right. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know if I. I didn't know if maybe I didn't say it, and everybody else is like, "I know that verse." I'm going to flip there. Um, but that's the same thing he said over in Second Thessal- Thessalonians, right? I don't want to be chargeable. But notice this in verse ten: "Ye are witnesses, and God also. How what? Holily and what? Justly and what? Unblameably we what?" behaved ourselves among you that believe. So what Paul's saying is, guys, you know my manner of life, the way in which I conducted myself, and I labored and I did, not because I want to gain something, but it's because I've already been given everything. And that grace is a motivating factor. And so then the question is, well, it's different, right? With Paul, 
Because Paul had this special revelation and he, able, he was able to see Christ and all this. And it's not. Notice, drop down to verse 13. Verse 12. Notice. <clears throat> that ye... Well, let's read verse 11 because we'll, we'll get the context along with verse 10 what we just read. Verse 11. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. What's he doing? What he said should do over there, admonish one another as a brother, right? Verse 12, here's what, he's, here's what he's charging them to do. That you would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Notice, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. Notice, the word of God, which what? Effectually worketh. What's that next word? Also in you. He says, guys and gals, you can see how I labored, how I did my manner of life, how I conducted myself, not because of me, not because I'm some great person, but the grace of God. I am that I am and I labor. You all were able to see that. By the way, it can work effectually in you as well. So when he says that word also, he says it will work effectually also in you that what? All you have to do is believe the verses, right? We've talked about that. We've looked at that before. What Paul did is he's saying, I am what I am. That's a statement of faith. He says, I am that I am, or am what I am because of the grace and therefore I labor and do. Now, it's really interesting when we look at that. Go back over to Philippians. Or go to Philippians. Uh, Philippians chapter 1. Because it's really interesting. We've talked about as well, Galatians 2.20, right? That I'm crucified with Christ, yet nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We know that verse. That's what this is. Taking the words off the page and storing them here isn't enough. Just because I know some stuff doesn't mean it's going to change some stuff. It's when I take that from here to hear by actually believing what it says. You know, we've talked about it before. Romans 6, he says what? No, reckon, yield. We see, we see the same thing. But here's what's interesting. Philippians chapter 1. Verse, verse 3. This is one of Paul's prayers. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, for you all making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. Now, who is it that did this work in us? Christ did. God, right? And he's saying, the one who gave you this life, the one who began this good work in you, 
That's not here in you, it's here in you. Moving it down into your soul to where it becomes part of your life, not just your head life, but your life life. So that you can know, reckon, and yield. He says that the one who began that good work, he will perform it. Until when? Until the day of Jesus Christ. His plan is he's to do this all the way through. What happens sometimes is we come along and we say, yeah, but I want to do this. And we all do. I, I, I've done it myself. But that's his plan. That's what he wants it to happen. Go back over to Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, um, verse 10, you know, 8 and 9, we all know and love. Verse 10 often sometimes is forgotten, but you have to read it along with 8 and 9. But notice in verse 10, why is it that we're saved by grace through faith without works? Is that no man should boast. Notice in verse 10, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we... What's that next word? Should. Do you know what that means? You have a choice. Mm -hmm. We have a choice. We have a choice to follow that path that He has for us, or we have the choice to not. I'll tell you what, John Calvin is rolling over in his grave right now. You know, it's interesting. If you read a lot of his commentary on the book of Romans, it's pretty good stuff. Until he gets to go and teach what he wants to teach, then he doesn't teach it the same way he does it in his verse by verse through Romans. But nobody wants to talk about that. That's an aside note. But notice what he says there. We should walk in what? Good works. We should be able to, because of who we are, we should be able to labor and to do because of that grace motiva motivation to be able to go and do that stuff. But we have a choice and we do not have, God will not overpower your free will ever. And that's why it's one of those things that's really important as we look at this. Uh, we're here in Ephesians. Go over to, to Ephesians chapter 3. This is another prayer that Paul has for the folks in Ephesus. By the way, if you ever have a chance, just go through and study Paul's prayers. And I'm not talking about just his big prayers, but also go and look at all the little prayers that he has throughout, the, throughout his epistles. One, you're going to learn a lot about prayer. Two, you're going to learn how he actually changed the way in which he prayed by the knowing more and more and more information. It's amazing to see it. And what's interesting is, just as he said in Thessalonians, what you see in me will also work in you. We know he's our, we know he's our pattern. So if he says, here's my prayer life, go and look at my prayer life and see how my prayer changed based upon knowing some more information and believing some information, it's really interesting. And you get to see it in 2 Corinthians 12, right? He's saying, Lord, take this from me. He asked him three times to take away the thorn in the flesh. Would it, and of course I don't have it up here, 
Wouldn't that be a good prayer for somebody during Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? As a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a, a member of the, the tribe of Benjamin, wouldn't he think, that's what I'm going to pray for? But what's Christ's response? My what? Grace, Grace is sufficient for thee. Paul's immediate response is what? Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. He completely changed his mind because he knows something now. It's really interesting. You can go take a look at some of those things and pay attention to that as you go through. Notice here in Ephesians chapter 3. That was all side note to give everybody a chance to flip one page. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3, um, verse, verse 14. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that, here's some purpose, that He would grant unto you according to the riches of His glory to be what? Strengthened with might by His Spirit. Where? In the inner man. In the, inner man. the ministry that the Holy Spirit is dealing with today is the inner man, not the outer man. We know that the outer man perishes, but the inner man is renewed day by day. Notice that Christ may dwell in your hearts by what? Faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus through all, all ages, world without end. Amen. That's a wonderful prayer. And you go back and you look at these things. What's he saying? I want you to be strengthened with his might by the Spirit in the inner man. What is that? How does that, how does that accomplished? By taking the words off the page, bringing them in here, and believing them. And then he continues on. That Christ may what? Dwell in your hearts by faith. That's believing the verses on the page. That. What's the purpose of that? That ye being rooted and grounded in love and may be able to comprehend with all saints. You know what's interesting there? You've got faith, love, and knowledge in verse 17 and 18 right there. And it's really interesting. You go down through there and you look at this, but notice this. <clears throat> and for time's sake, we're not going to be able to go through this, but when he says may be able to comprehend with all saints. One of the things is that tells us what? We can comprehend it. It's not something that, well, you just don't know. It's something that we can comprehend. Notice, with all saints, what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height? And it's interesting... A lot of times people read this and they read the next verse and they read it this way, and the love of Christ. You notice there were two words that were missing when I said that? 
to know. So what happens is they think, well, we've got to come to the knowledge of the breadth, the length, the depth, and height of the love of Christ. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about there is really dispensational Bible study. The breadth of it. The length of it. How far does it go? From eternity past to eternity future. How far did he go? He came all the way down here and he says, I'm going to take you who deserves hell and I'm going to take you to the heavens. And when you, when you go through and you think about those things, instead of just saying, well, I want to know the breadth and length and the depth and the height of Christ's love, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about dispensational Bible study and to know the love of Christ. It's a completely different thing. It's an extra thing not to know these things of the love of Christ, but to know these things and to know the love of Christ. What's interesting is, what's the best way to know the love of Christ is through dispensational Bible study. When you come out and you find out the breadth of it, of all that God is able to do for us, the length of it, how far has it gone from eternity past to eternity future, the depth of it, how far down He goes to take people who's destined for hell and says, I'm going to take you up here. Far above, we looked at it last time, right? Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion. And we're going to be part of that. It's more amazing when you think about those things. But the real issue that I want us to be, to be able to see here is notice in verse 17. That, you may, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. What's it mean to be rooted? If you're rooted, if a tree roots, if a plant roots, what's that mean? Huh? It's going to be stuck there, right? It's, you're not going to move it. You can transplant it, but you're not, you, you shouldn't move it. Two, what did you say? Okay. What else? It's going to thrive there. It's going to grow there. It's also what? It's alive. Have you ever thought about, have you ever, have you ever taken like a, a, a seed of corn? There's no life there. In fact, it's dead. You put it in the ground, you water it, what happens? Starts to root, life happens. You have life out of a dead thing. It's really interesting. But what happens here, when we think about these things, I want us to be able to think, so being rooted means what? You're, you know, you could always, you always think of it as a tree or whatever. You're growing. There's, there's roots. What's going to happen to those roots? They're going to keep getting bigger and bigger and longer and longer and longer, right? And what's going to happen to everything up here is it's going to grow as well. Um, you ever heard uh, the water line of a tree? So as far out as the branches go, that's as far out as the roots are going to go so they can actually get some, some water. It's really interesting. So as the top grows, the roots grow. Yeah. Washing the water by the Word, right? Taking the Word in, what's going to happen is you're going to be more rooted than you were the day before. Not only that, rooted in what? Grounded. The idea of not being of being grounded is what? You're not going to be moved off of your position. Go back to go back to chapter three real quick. No, we're right here, chapter four. Go to chapter four. Chapter four, verse thirteen, <clears throat> verse twelve. He says, 
the, 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 the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers uh, were given, why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness. What he's saying is, from this point on, you should know something about being rooted and grounded in Christ, and from that point on, you shouldn't be tossed to and fro. If we come to a knowledge of some stuff, and we learn some things, what we should do is say, okay, I'm going to take that information, because of who I am in Christ, I'm going to take that, and I'm going to go do... And the way that I'm going to go do is I'm going to get in the book and find out who I am and go live that way. And he says, that's the idea. Don't be tossed to and fro, but to be grounded, to be settled. You know, when, when, when you say the matter's settled, what's that mean? I'm not going to hear any other arguments against it because it's done. It's a done deal. And if you're rooted and grounded and settled, what that means is, you're not moving off the position. Now, you take that and you think about, okay, what's going on in the world around us today, especially, you know, the United States and all the things that's going on there. And we've said this before, and it's not like prophetic or anything. It's just you see what's going on. You know what's going to happen. One of these days, we're not going to be able to meet here, and it's not because somebody else has the room. It's because the government wouldn't allow us to do this. It's going to happen one day. We all know that. There's also going to come a day where you're not going to be able to do things on social media sites, YouTube. The YouTube videos and Facebook videos that we have up might one day be taken down. We know it's going to happen. One of these days, they're going to take that book out of your hands. What are we going to do then? You've got to store it up here. They can't take it here. If they take it here, then we die and we're gone to glory. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. But we've got to be able to get to the point where we don't just have this. We have it here, we have it here, and we have it in our walk. So that, And we've talked about this before. When you're standing and when you're rooted and when you're standing, you're taking a stand on things, what happens when the time comes for everybody to stand, you're already standing. You're not sitting down waiting to stand up. We've got to be able to be, we've got to be prepared to stand and the only way we can do that is stand now. You know, there's there go over to go over to Colossians chapter two. There's a lady that that sent us a message a few months ago, and um, she's not responded back to me. And I don't know if I should think what I'm thinking about it, but she was telling me uh, she lost her her son in January, and she sent me a message that says, "I just don't want to do life anymore." Now, the fact that I'm not heard back from her, I don't know if I should worry that she has taken her life or if she's just not wanting to communicate anymore. When that happens in life, isn't the time to start figuring out how to enable your life through this book? You do it now when things are okay so that when something does happen, you've got something to stand on. All too often, we're so caught up in everything else in life that when a tragedy hits we don't know how to deal with it 
and that's yeah and so then oftentimes we allow our circumstances to overpower our standing our position notice here in Colossians chapter 2 we started looking at this a little bit last week and I wanted to get this same idea notice in Colossians chapter 2 verse let's just start off in verse verse 4 um all right, verse 1. It was just, there's good stuff there. You, you don't want to start there. Notice in verse 1. For I would that ye knew. Now, it's interesting. Paul, we talked about this earlier. Paul uses this phrase, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. But it's also interesting to do a study on, for I would that ye knew. I want you to know some stuff because that kind of goes along with it. But for I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. By the way, have you ever thought about this? Has Paul seen our, our flesh in the face? Our face in the flesh? Have you ever thought about that? Now, of course, he's talking to people that he's not met that were contemporary with him. It could apply to us. Notice in verse 2, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Now, what's interesting, he says, to the full, the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement. Verse, verse 3, In whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, here's the important part, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. What's somebody going to do? They're going to come along with enticing words and they're going to say, you believe that grace stuff? So then you can go murder somebody if you want to and still go to heaven. That's one that everybody brings up, right? They're going to come with you enticing words and say, you really believe grace, that, that, that cheap grace stuff, that free grace stuff? You really believe that? You have your attacked at your school. Mm -hmm. I was on for that. Yeah, I've gotten that before. But that's what they'll do. They'll come along with enticing words to what? To beguile you. To trick you. That's exactly what Satan did to Eve. He beguiled her. Why? Or with what? Yea, hath God said? Are you sure that's what God told you? You really believe that you're a saint of the Most High God? Are you sure that's what God said about you? Continue on. <clears throat> For though I, I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith. The steadfastness, the standing that you take of your faith where? In Christ. Verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. <clears throat> Question. How have you received Christ Jesus the Lord? By grace through faith. You believe the words on the page and you believe the words on the page. Notice what he says. So walk ye in Him. He's saying the same manner in which you were saved by grace through faith, you live by grace through faith. You look at the words on the page and you say, that is true about me and I'm going to go and live my life based on that verse. No matter what comes along, no matter what anybody says, no matter what somebody comes along and tries to move me off that position, 
Here's the verse. <clears throat> Notice. <clears throat> As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Here's these words again. Notice. Rooted and built up in Him. That's the same thing we had over there, right? In Ephesians. <clears throat> and established in the faith as ye have been taught. What's that next word? Abounding therein with what? Thanksgiving. Do you know what the life of Christ being put on display in our physical flesh today will do? It will produce thanksgiving to God because I'm not living the way I used to live. Because, and I like what you said, I'm humble enough to just to believe the verses on the page. Notice, verse 8. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Why? For in Him, this is the verse we looked at earlier, right? Dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. And he goes on down through there. <clears throat> that's the motivation. He says, that's that because, of, because of that, I am what I am. Because of that I labor. Because of that I do. Because of that, here's how I conduct my life. And I'm not going to be moved off of the truth that I find in Paul's epistles. And I go and live that life to the glory of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Because they're all three in us and we're all in them. Yeah. It reminds me of that hymn, I shall not <clears throat> mm -hmm. Like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you go that you go down through there and you, you see this. Notice <coughs> there there's beguiling there with vain words, right? There's beguiling there with philosophy and vain deceit, traditions of men, rudiments of the world. Notice, go down to verse eighteen. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding to those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind, and not holding the head, from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudeness of the world, why as though living in the world are ye subject to ordinances? And he goes down down through there. So there's there's issues there. There's there's vain vain words there's philosophy vain deceit right enticing words <coughs> a religious system here we see all those things out there and everybody says you just believe in that cheap grace well that grace cost jesus christ his life and that grace is what allows me to do what i do now because by the grace of god I am what I am. And by the grace of God, I labor. And by the grace of God, I do. So a lot of times, people people say stuff like, um, you know, 
Are you teaching works not to get saved, not to stay saved, not to prove that I'm saved, but grace motivates me to go do some stuff. It does, if we believe it. <clears throat> now, that's an actual outworking of the Spirit, taking the words that you believe, the words that you have stored up in your soul, and putting them on display each and every day. Now, in order to do, we must know who we are. Right? And that's why, that's why, that's the whole purpose of this, is we're not who we used to be. Praise the Lord for that. But we've got to find out who we are, and that's one of the things that we've been looking at is who are we? You know, we looked at being justified, being sanctified, being glorified, being, 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 all these things God has given to us freely because of what His, what His Son did. That we might be able to be the praise and honor and glory of His grace. <clears throat> um, all right. I think that's a pretty good place to stop then. Um, any questions, comments, concerns? Um, we're, we're, we're still not finished with this series. We're going to continue on. There's some other things that I want us to get. But I want us to keep those things in mind <clears throat> that it's that, that book that we have, the reason that we care about the book is not just to be able to say we care about the book. We care about the book because that's the life that we have. And that's, that's the way that we live our life is through that book. All right? Um, <clears throat> so, folks on Facebook and YouTube, thank you all for joining us. Everybody here, thank you all as well. Um, we're going to go eat here in a few moments. So, um, again, thank you all.